morning and welcome to the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldersland, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, Between Tools, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you may have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Our number is 291-6901. And you add the area code here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, which is 225. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. There you go. We certainly wish you would. Always enjoy hearing from you if the cold weather's getting to you or... If y'all in Los Angeles, if the hot weather's getting to I was just fixing to say. <laughs> just depending on where you are in this great nation of ours. That's it. It's kind of a big, big place, and you may have cold one spot and hot another. And it will change from day to day. And that's, that's a fact. You know, it was earlier this week. It was, I guess, not hot, it, but it was pretty warm. I know it was up probably 80s. high 80s. Yeah. And now we're looking at possibly the high 30s tomorrow morning. So yep. quite, quite a change. predation there. <laughs> <laughs> And temperature does bring on changes in cars. Sure. It's one, one of those factors, along with lots and lots of other things. With all the rain and stuff that we've had around the country in right. different parts and flooding in different areas. I know in Baton Rouge about a year, year, year and a few months, months ago, yeah. we had considerable flooding here. And what we see after that, right. the effect on automobiles is sort of predictable, but Nonetheless, it happens, and I thought we could talk maybe just a little bit about that for all the other folks who maybe aren't quite as familiar with. Obviously, the most devastating thing is when the car itself floods. That's where water gets inside the car, and most insurance companies, from our experience, when the water gets up to the seat, Right, it's pretty much a total. They pretty much total the car. They know what's going to happen if they try to use that car again, you know, try to dry it out and fix it. They've been there. They know what's going to happen, and it's cheaper for them just to go ahead, let's say, let's get rid of it now. We'll pay you what it's worth and move on from here. It is because the problems are generally lingering and continuing and just go on and on. Once water gets up into all the connections and stuff, not only that, but it's nearly impossible to immediately get that car. It's not like the car was flooded last night. This morning it's in the shop being stripped out and all that. If that were the case where you could act that fast, you could probably save more cars. Mm-hmm. But generally what happens is the water ends up sitting in the car for a couple of days, right. maybe up to a couple of weeks, and the effect is devastating. Oh, you yeah. start to get mold and mildew in the car, and the and it gets- sun heats it up. It forms steam and humidity which gets into everything in the vehicle right it gets up into places where you would have to totally disassemble the entire car to get it out well and the cost of componentry right with electronics and stuff is so expensive by the time they buy four or five of these modules they've just about hit the value of the car i remember back during the flood we had a gentleman who had a cadillac Mm -hmm. and unfortunately he did not have any type of insurance on it And so he was trying to fix it on his own, took one look at the car, and I just told him, I said, man, it's not even worth paying me to check the vehicle. Well, I've got to because yeah, 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 yeah. So we started checking some things, and it had the two power seats in the front, neither of which worked. Right. And by the time I priced the components in these two seats, basically it exceeded the value of the car. Sure. I mean, these things had four or five modules in them. Probably seven or eight motors. Seven or eight, maybe more, more motors in right. it. There were motors in the doors. There were modules in the doors, and none of this stuff worked. Right. And we were able, because it was an emergency for him, we were able to get the seat taken apart, 
reassembled, dried out, and put in a position that was comfortable for him to drive. Right. It no longer worked anymore. It would not ever work again. But we did get it in the correct position so he was comfortable driving the vehicle. Right. Same thing with the windows. I got the driver's window working Working. because it has to. Some of the other windows we just fixed in the upward position. Uh And as far as I know, he's still driving the car. Although it's a much, much, much diminished vehicle. Oh, most definitely. <laughs> from a standpoint of features and stuff. And it's just you can get to a point where you can easily exceed the value of the car. Sure. Especially like when it starts getting into the airbag assemblies and all. Because those are just obscenely expensive to replace. And they have to be they have to work in a pinch. You know, in an accident, that stuff has to work. It's well, not yeah. it's not like anything else in the car if it stops working. The car just dies, you pull over, and, and that's that. But in the airbag assemblies, if you get in an accident, the airbag doesn't go off and somebody gets hurt. Well, you then, gonna, at very least, you're going to incur a lot of liability. Sure. And a lot of shops do not like messing with that right. just because of the liability. Because the world being what, what it, it is, is. they're yep. going to go back until they find somebody with some money if somebody <laughs> gets hurt. And if you were the unlucky guy who just happened to work on this thing, yep. you just almost can't afford to put yourself in that position, and there are a lot of things like that on a vehicle. You know, one thing that we saw just a huge spike on, mm-hmm. and that is the failure of wheel bearings. Right. It doesn't take a flood to get water in wheel bearings. Right. All it takes is a big, heavy rain and standing water. So well, most just driving through water. Right. Most I'm, of the vehicles we see now that may have gotten some water up on the axle Mm-hmm. You know, necessarily didn't get inside the car, just got up on the axle. Right. When the water went back down, the water had already seeped into the tube, which emulsified the grease and destroyed the rear end. Well, but it, that takes it, a while to show yeah, up. Yeah, it doesn't show up right away. You drive through a flooded street. And when I'm saying flooded street, I'm talking six, eight, ten inches of water. Right. We'll probably get that water up to the lower portion of the wheel bearing assembly. Now, this is sealed. But basically, it's sealed to hold the grease in. Correct. It's not and sealed to hold the moisture keep out. Keep a little bit of dust and dirt out. Maybe a rain, it'll keep out. But it is not a submarine. Right. It's not designed to be submerged in water. And that water will get past those seals. Especially on a hot bearing. Yeah. A hot bearing tends to draw a vacuum on the outside. And when it does, if water is present, it'll draw it right in. Well, and if nothing else, it just it sweats inside because it's hot from operation. And you quench it down with ice cold water or cold water, mm-hmm. and it's going to sweat inside. And what happens, the grease is going to, it's got dispersant in it. So it's going to try to absorb this moisture. But if enough is in there, it is going to emulsify the grease. Mm-hmm. Now, that destroys the ability of the grease to protect the metal. Right. The moisture starts to attack the bearings. This does not occur right away. No. You're going to drive off the next day. You're going to think everything's fine. Oh, yeah. About six, next week, eight months later, maybe. Yeah, it could be up to a year later. Right. Then one wheel bearing goes out. You have it replaced. Another one goes out. You have it replaced. Like, wow, what's going on now? And then maybe another one, third one. And, and sometimes a fourth one will mm-hmm. go out. And it just kind of continues on like that because they've all had the same amount. They've all gone through the same water. Right. Some may have got more water in them than others. Some may have already had some wear in them. I mean, all kinds of things that can control the point at which they fail. But the point is, they do start to fail. And it never, it happens so far down the line, it never really gets related back to driving through the, the flooded road. Many, many times it does not because we have a lot, we see a lot of failed wheelbarrows sure. because of the flooding a year ago in this area. And folks will come in and you'll tell them, well, you've got, a bad wheel bearing on the left front and the right front also has some noise in it so it is failing mm-hmm. 
Now, if you like, we can change just the one that's failed now, but you're going to probably hear the same noise, just not nearly as loud on the other side. Right. And, of course, most people say, well, go ahead and replace both. But inevitably, the question is, well, what made both these bearings go out? <laughs> yep. And you can say, well, did you drive through any high water? Well, no, no, I don't drive through high water. Well, a year ago when we had the flooding, did you possibly drive on a flood? Well, yeah. 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 And exactly. you know, then it kind of starts to come back to them. And when you tear these things down, normally you can look, if, if the bearing comes apart, you can look inside and you can see rust and all the things. So you, it's kind of obvious what has happened. Right. Some bearings, when you press them apart, it's, it's not a hub bearing as in some faces that you would think. Some actually have just the bearing itself has to be pressed onto the hub, pressed into the knuckle. And in others, you can just unbolt from the knuckle itself. It's called a sealed bearing. And those really don't come apart too right. often. But when you start pressing them apart, trying to change them, you'll usually press one of the races out. And you've got the opportunity then to look inside and see what the bearing looks like. Yeah, and generally you're going to see a lot of old, mucky, rusty, looks like a, like a syrup board in water by right. this point because it's all mixed with grease and rust and and then if you take the, the little rollers out and wipe them off, you can see the pits and everything inside the rollers mm-hmm. and on the race as how it failed. Right, and they fail in a number of different ways. Most common, you're going to start to get a noise. Sure. You're driving down the road, and at 10 miles an hour, you may not hear anything. But as you start to get up 25, 30, you'll start to get that kind of a little, yep. almost like a mud grip tire makes on the road. Right. Similar noise. The faster you go, the, the louder, louder it gets, gets to a point. And then it kind of just drones out. When you get up to maybe 60, 70 miles an hour, you don't hear it any longer. But majority of the sound is just being pushed back by the air flowing under the car. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, and the car is making enough other sounds to where it kind of drones out. Also, the frequency of noise may get up above the level of human hearing. Sure. So that's why it generally shows up in a range. You'll hear it normally around 40, 45 is when they pretty prominent. You may also notice that if you sharply cut the wheel one way or the other if it's a front wheel bearing you may notice the noise gets distinctly louder one way and quieter the other way yep that happens on mostly on front wheel bearings because you're loading that bearing inside and out Mm -hmm. as the design is the way it's designed and it will definitely change because usually it starts wearing on one side of the race one side of the bearing and when you cut it you're loading that side when you turn the other way you're unloading it Mm -hmm. and that way you can hear it. Not necessarily on rear wheel bearings as much. Some, Some the rear wheel bearing is bad enough, and you cut the wheel hard enough, you may hear a slight change, and it, that can fool you. But for right. the most part, the rear wheel is just rolling right along, so you don't get the change there. Mm-hmm. And another thing that confuses people a lot with rear end, rear wheel bearings, is that they say, well, I accelerate and decelerate, and it doesn't change. Right. Well, the axle bearing is not going to change with acceleration and deceleration. Right. It is carrying the load of the vehicle. Right. The pinion bearings and the carrier bearings are loaded and unloaded when you load and unload the drivetrain. Correct. But the axle bearings are basically just rolling along. along. So they're not going to change decidedly when you accelerate or decelerate. Hey, we're going to talk some more about that and a whole lot more. We'll be right back in this break. That's the best. I get your kicks.
I'm off to AGCO for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at AGCO can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back, and thanks for spending your Saturday morning with us. You've listened to the Automotive Hour. I'm Louis Aldezan, your host. Got Mr. Brian Terry right here in the co-pilot seat. Between two of us, we'll answer any automotive questions you may have. We were talking a little bit about flood damage and the way weather can affect cars and mm-hmm. stuff. Of course, like always, any question you may have, you go ahead and give us a call. It doesn't have to be on the topic we're talking about. And right now is the perfect time to do it because we have the rest of the show, namely uh, about 40 minutes there to you get your questions answered thoroughly. And got all our lines wide open. No, that we're getting lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead and give us a call. 291-6901 is the number. Get you straight up to us. Of course, put a 225 in front of there if you're out of state or out of the area, and that'll get you to us as well. There you go. We were talking about wheel bearings and the noise uh-huh. that they can make, and that is certainly one way that a wheel bearing fails. Right. Now, right. there are other ways they can fail. They will get loose. They can get slack in them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes cause popping or clunking noise when you turn. They can even cause tire wear sure. if they get enough slack in them. Sometimes it'll show up when you hit the brakes because the wheel bearing supports the brake rotor. Correct. And the rotor is running now at an obscure angle, which generally is wearing the pads in a funny way. And when you hit the brakes, it can pull it back straight. Tries to straighten it back up. Can make a noise. Right along that same notion, I guess, is that they can set an ABS light in many cases. Have seen that happen. Yeah. If wheel bearing fails, you can definitely get an ABS light, particularly on some of your cars like a Honda. Some of the later model Hondas where the sensor is internal to the bearing. Right. The tone wheel is actually inside the bearing instead of on the axle. And when it starts changing position, it starts folding out. Mm-hmm. It takes the, the tone wheel away from the sensor or it pushes it against the sensor, which sometimes eats the sensors up. That and the metal that comes from the bearing degenerating gets in the grease, which can get between the little teeth of the tone wheel and the magnet is going to pick that up. So it gets an erratic signal instead mm-hmm. of a smooth pulse it may get an erratic signal particularly if it gets a gob of metal in one little spot right it's going to see that going around it's going to know something's wrong it doesn't know what turn the light on it's going to throw the light on so there are any number of ways that a wheel bearing may fail most of the time you will have a noise but sometimes not exactly you can have a failed wheel bearing and not have the characteristic wheel bearing noise let's catch one of our phone calls we got joey online good morning joey Thank y'all for taking my call. You bet. Called a few times. I've got two vehicles. One is a, I got a, y'all were talking about wheel bearings. Mm-hmm. I have a wheel bearing question okay. on a 05 Dodge 3500 Cummins two wheel drive. And yeah, I'm starting to get a noise in the front. And as I, if I turn the wheel, like you said, you know, it's noise. 
one way or the other. So I'm going to replace. I'm figuring I'm going to go ahead and replace both wheel bearings at the same time. I'm Not figuring if idea. I, re- yeah, if I replace one, I figure I'm, in, you know, yeah. I, I got to drive on lift. Well, I can get it up in the air. Particularly to get if it. you got a lot of miles on it, because wheel bearings don't last forever, and they both been down the same road, so. Yeah, it's 130,000 miles. Oh, I, use it for, yeah, I, I use it for towing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a six-speed manual, mm-hmm. and uh, I use it for towing a 42-foot fifth-wheel camper. Uh, it's been a beast, and I tell you what, it has just been a marvelous towing vehicle. Anyway, I was so buying the uh, bearings, I'm gonna I'm not going a cheap route, but I'll either go through, the, through Dodge mm-hmm. or I've seen sometimes online find genuine parts. I've done it for the Chevrolet, but yes, I've, I've been able to find like Mopar or yeah. Dodge is a little GM. bit harder to GM is yeah. to find. But That's what uh, I think. Yo, wheel bearings, Joy, something like a Timken bearing is a very right. good bearing. That's an aftermarket sure. company that makes bearings right. for the OEM. I've used Timken bearings, and if you can find that, sure. generally they're priced a little less. The same thing with BCA. Moog BCA company makes a decent replacement bearing. That's a lot of times less expensive than the OEM. In fact, they may make them for the OEM. But yeah, yeah that's bought, a very easy bearing to change. Just a hub bearing assembly, just bolts on. That's what I was. Piece okay, of that's what I was. Yeah. Okay, that's what I was going to ask. When I pull it up on my lift and pull the wheel off, take the caliper off the rotor. I think there's what four bolts that hold the three hub or on? four depending on yeah. the design. But around behind, the, right behind it, you take those out. It just comes right off the front. Sometimes they come off. Sometimes you got to persuade them off a little bit. Yeah, they'll, they'll rust, tend to rust up a little bit in there. You're on the rust belt area where yeah. you get rust in there. You may have to tap Even, it a little bit with a brass hammer to, to get it to unseat. Right. But yeah, just I'll make sure. Out, I, make sure when you put it back together, you clean that surface where the two pieces meet. Gotcha. Yeah, and, maybe and, some uh, thousand grit. Just just something to clean, clean it. it. Yeah, yeah, wire brush even. Yeah. Just okay, knock the, okay. knock the big chunks and the rust something. and everything off of it, if there's any. All right. Okay, I'll do that. All right, my other question, this is this uh, Smithsonian Chevy that I got that's got a half a million miles on it. Okay. Original motor. I know that's got to be a close to a world record. <laughs> I would think. 571 plus on the original motor. Wow. So I'm saving, and, and tranny. There, hmm. I'm saving, I'm trying to decide if I want to spend the money Go get me a. I'm figuring I'll get a like a GM Goodwrench rebuilt motor and tranny when it's time. Mm-hmm. But man, that's gonna. I'm still trying to decide. I'm a Dodge guy, but I don't use the dually that much. You know, just driving to work. Mm-hmm. So this has kind of been my work truck. But I'm trying to decide if it's really if it's worth the money to replace the engine and tranny. Everything else on it, I've been replacing it as it goes yes, out. But mm-hmm. You know, I know if I replace the engine, I'm going to need a water pump, radiator, yes. you know, belt, hoses, just... Yeah, you're going to spend you know, a considerable amount yeah. of money with that kind of miles I on know. it because virtually every part of the car is going to be pretty much compromised. But <laughs> I know. It, it just depends on how much you like the car. I mean, the good thing is that almost everything on that vehicle can be rebuilt, whereas the newer yep. vehicles, you will not have that opportunity you know, if you had a, a 13 or 14 model, as soon as one of the major modules goes down and they discontinue it, you're done. That's it. Car's dead. Wow. You, you're not going to be able to get that part. You can't put a used one because it can't be programmed again. Whenever GM Ford Oh, Chrysler, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. When they yeah. decide to just discontinue that program and I can't buy it from them anymore to download it to your car, even if I had a module, I can't program it. You won't oh, be able to communicate goodness. with it. So, yeah, the, oh, the days okay. of being able to keep cars like that, are fast going away. And the tools to do it with. 
mm-hmm. are also going away. Yeah, I mean, the, the scan tools now, everything right. that we get now is no longer a separate tool like the Tech 1, Tech 2 was. Now you have the GDI, which is a laptop-based tool, which has to log on to GM to get the information. Every time you turn it oh, on. Every great. time I turn it on. So if they decide, okay, we're just going to drop every car with 10 years old, you can't communicate with the cars anymore. Right, and then you got to probably pay a fee every year to get. Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's well, Dan, darn right. near every time you turn it on. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's about five grand a year for each car you're going to work on, just, oh, yeah. just for the well, information access. Yeah, well, for me, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be worth anything like that for no. me. So, a couple of other items on the on the vehicle, like on the on the instrument cluster, mm-hmm. the memory for the mileage is that on the ECM or is that built into the instrument cluster? Most likely, it's in the instrument cluster. Mm-hmm. Oh. And sometimes it's shared in the BCM mm. and in the PCM only for security. Okay. okay. In that if you control. change one, it, it's going to conflict with the other. So it, it keeps you from rolling them back. No, okay. Because, uh, well, the reason I'm asking is about half of the LEDs are uh, wore out, mm-hmm. which you know, they're out and they're soldered on to the board. Right? Correct. So I have looked at a couple of YouTube videos and got and seen the kit where you can, if you're, if your electronics skills are pretty good, right. you might be able to desolder and put the new LEDs in. Yeah. And the reason I was asking is, what if I just replace the instrument cluster? And but if the memory for the mileage is built in, and if it's going to conflict with the BCM, then I'm going to have a problem that if I go that route. It, huh? Yes, it, sir. It can. It depends on the year model and the way it's configured. O, okay, uh, it's O three. Some of those are older ones like that. What they will do is they will just go in and grab the mileage. From the BCM. From the BCM, if it's not right. in there and set itself. Now, uh, how would I how would I know which one I have? Well, on an older one like that, I don't yeah. think there's going to be any. Of, that didn't really start a whole lot till around 05, 06, 07, up in there. We had to program it all. I'd have to look it up in service date. I just can't remember. But most of that older stuff, you could replace it independent without having to go back and reprogram. Okay. All the newer stuff has to be programmed. And you can only program it one time. Once you program right. it, it marries to the other modules, and that's done. You can't ever wow. get back into it. You that's also why have, you can't put a used part in them. You also have a okay. mileage uh, limit on it also. Once you install it, if it's the the older ones, like newer ones like you were talking about, mm-hmm. you once you install it, you have to take it somewhere to have it programmed. you only got like 20 miles to take it. Right. And if you don't, oh do, it, if you don't do it within that 20 miles, it will... It will turn into a brick. Yeah, wherever you wow. get your cluster yeah. from, you could ask them, and they could They'll probably tell you. tell you for sure. Yeah, it was just like half the lights burned out. I thought about mm-hmm. it. I thought about trying it myself. My skills now, if it's, if it's just the bulbs, just right. like the lighting bulbs, those are easy yeah. peasy. Yeah. Now, if it's the LEDs, those are considerably more. No, these are LEDs because uh, I. You know, it doesn't take but you know about two minutes to pull the cluster out. Right. right? I pull it out and I took the back cover off mm-hmm. and they're soldered in. They're not. Yeah, they're well, not the, the bulbs. The bulbs are soldered yeah, in. Yeah, the bulb is a little. Uh, yeah, I mean, those, like those are bulb. just easy, very easy to yeah, change. Yeah, but there are, are LEDs sorry, in there. Also. Not the message yeah. boards though. No, but there are no, LEDs no. behind the gauges. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. No, right. those, those are very easy. About. Very. There's eleven right. of them in there. Those are very easy to change. Yeah, these are these are LEDs, but they're soldered in. Yeah, yeah. It's just like a little tiny LED light bulb, and it's just got two little wires on it, and all you do is. Just heat it up, pull it out, push the next one through, solder it, clip the little wires off the end. They're, they're pretty easy to change. Yeah. And uh, one other question on the same truck, on my AC module, mm-hmm. again, all the LEDs burned out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to the junkyard, got me another one, plugged it in, all the lights work. Uh, everything works except on my blend door, you know, for the hot, for the heat and cold. Mm-hmm. It's opposite. Hot, yeah. cold, cold is hot. Yes. 
That's a programming so, programming mm-hmm. issue. That can be reprogrammed by anybody with a tech two scan tool. Okay, okay, that's what I was figuring because mm-hmm. I tried pulling the fuse yeah. and let it sit, that kind of stuff. No. And it, it didn't work. No, that. Uh, okay, I, I remember there was a lot thing. of the modules back then. Uh, there was a yeah. seat module that did the same thing. You'd push the seat forward and move back, and you had to program it. <laughs> I don't know why they do I that. Figured as, <laughs> I figured it. I figured as much. Okay, yeah. it's just. I don't know why I keep messing with this thing. It's like, you know, it's kind of a challenge. It's a challenge, yeah. like, <laughs> I, I like a challenge. I still like working on my stuff yeah. when I can. And can still buy parts for yeah. it. It's well, kind of like made, my parts. Yeah, they made billions of them, so. <laughs> you know, and the Dodge has been so bulletproof. I uh-huh. think the only thing besides maintenance and oil changes and diff fluid was just uh, an oil pump. I mean, a water pump. Yeah. So it's been a well, that's pretty common. All right. Well, look, I'm going to let y'all go. All right, Joey. Appreciate it. Thanks, Thanks man. Thanks for the info. Mm-hmm. Thank oh, y'all. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. We got to take our second quick little break. Donnie, if you hold on, you'll be straight up after this break. Gotta run, Paul. I'm heading to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it in once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems early. And they remind me of important upcoming maintenance. Things like oil changes, changing my timing belt, tire wear. Yeah, a general inspection each year would be a great thing for my marriage. Paul, thanks for bringing Marie in for her general inspection. Overall, she's in great shape. I did dial back her shopping system to save you a little money, and her nag button was stuck, so I loosened that up so you can work on your golf game and not those honeydews. As far as preventive maintenance, you've got a big anniversary coming up in April, so put that on your calendar, and I'd suggest flowers for no reason and more compliments. And Agco saved me thousands of dollars. Paul? Paul, are you listening? Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. Sounds like I need to take Marie, I mean my car, into Agco for a general inspection. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back. Just join us the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Alvazan, with Mr. Brian Terry. And if you want to give us a call, we would certainly appreciate it. Our number is 291-6901, and that's exactly what Donnie did. Good morning, Donnie. Uh, good morning, fellas. Yes, sir. Good morning. Let me preference this by saying I've changed distributor before, electronic mm-hmm. distributor. I've changed thermostat, and I've changed spark plug wires that run very, very neat-like. And so the reason for me saying that is saying I've, I've dabbled in the car before. I've done brake work on it before. Mm-hmm. Now, here's what I tell you. I needed a water pump, and before I could stop and turn around, I went too far into taking things loose. Didn't know the water pump was so deep down into this car. It's a 94 Pro GT, and uh, but I uh, got some information, so I continued on. So I didn't know I had to take the wheel off. I didn't know I had to jack the engine up some, and so I did it all. I got to it. Now, before I took that belt off, I said, okay, I looked at the tensioner. This tensioner on mine is just a solid piece of iron with two bolts that hold it in place. The holes are round and not oval, so I can't slide it back or forth. Mm-hmm. And there's a little silver pin that sticks out the front of it that pushes up on that the back part of that tensioner. So before I took the belt off, what I did was I marked those two sprockets left and right after I got the crankshaft in that center position down at the bottom. I marked those two sprockets, uh, the left and right side, with some, you know, some paint or something mm-hmm. that would stay on there. And in doing so, I marked the belt at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I got, a, you know, a line ran across each one of them. Okay. And although I looked at some information on the 95 and the 93 
the tension on that one, on those two, looked a little different in terms of it had like a bolt under the bottom or something. In other words, it had something like you can screw on. Yeah, no, this is probably a hydraulic tensioner, and what happens, the oil pressure pushes the piston out, and that's how it tensions itself. Okay. Well, my problem is I replaced the water pump. Now I can't get the belt back on. Because the tensioner is pushed out. Yeah, tensioner is probably extended right. itself. you got to take it off the block and take it and put it in a vise. Oh. slowly, very slowly, crank the vise closed, and it'll push the piston back in. And when it's fully in, there will be a place to line up that pin in the back of it to hold it. You put your belt back on, put your tensioner back on, and when you get everything set, then you can pull that pin out, and it tensions the belt back up. Right, and then when you start the car, the oil pressure pushes out and holds it tight. Now, you're saying I could, when I squeeze the pin in, mm-hmm. there's something that I can do to do what now? You look at the back of the tensioner. Well, ten- you, I'm going to tell you, your best belt, Donnie, is just go buy a new tensioner because yeah. that's going to come already compressed with a pin in it. Because that tensioner, by the time you push it back in, it's probably going to start leaking. And when it starts leaking, it's going to leak all over that timing belt. And it's going to end up jumping timing on you. You're going to be way dollars ahead to buy a new tensioner. And it'll already be compressed and have the pin in it. All you do is put it on, you bolt it up, and pull the pin like a grenade, and it pops itself back out into place. And they're not that expensive. I mean, you're going to be way, way dollars ahead to change the tensioner while you're there. Okay, well, what I did, what I did call a parts store about the tensioner, and I asked them to describe what theirs looked like. Well, the guy told me the pin was already extended. I asked him how far, and because uh, mine looked like about half inch or less in the position mm-hmm. position that it's in right now. Mm-hmm. And the guy was looking at it, and he said, "Well, it looks like it's about a quarter inch or so." Right. Takes, Everyone take, I've ever seen, they come already compressed. They've got a pin in them that holds them right. in, and you pull the pin out, and it extends. Okay. Now, I mean, you can take like Brian said, put in a vice, push it back in, put the pin back in it. But as sure as you do that, you put all the way back together, you know how much work that was. If that thing starts to leak and leaks all over that timing belt and it jumps timing, you basically bought a new engine at that point. Uh, so if the belt breaks, it, it messes up the engine? Yes. If it, if it the, breaks, the valve is the pistons. Or if, or if it, it is not off time, right. if you don't put it back together right. I mean, that is not a, timed right. Yeah, if it's not timed right, it will tear the engine up. First, okay. first time you crank it over. All right, so you're saying if I buy one, it should be already depressed? Should yes, be. yes. Okay. All the ones I've ever seen. And have a retainer, them, a retainer right. of some sort on it to hold it in position for shipping and stuff. Once you put it on, you pull the retainer off or the pin out, and it extends out. Okay. All righty. Well, that's what I need to know. Okay, Thank you, man. Right, good sir. luck, Donnie. All Bye-bye. Right. Bye. All right. 291-6901 is the number. If you want to part of the automotive hour, we'd love to have you. And you know all them timing belts have some kind of different temp on mm-hmm. it, depending on the application and the make. Well, they, the they have a tensioner. Generally, there's some kind of an idler pulley, which is not adjustable. The right. idler pulley just guides the belt. The tensioner tightens it. And, I mean, if you're getting into a fairly complex thing that you got to sort of know what you're doing before sure. you get in there. Because if you get that belt a tooth off one way or the other or a couple of teeth off, or if it doesn't get tensioned properly and it slips, right. it's pretty much going to be a new motor. Crank the engine and that valve still hanging down when the piston comes up yeah. because the timing's not right yeah you will destroy it you're getting into a moderate i guess it's not like a super complex operation changing a timing belt or changing water pump on a timing belt engine but it's a moderately complex sure. thing you need to be prepared for what you're getting into that's a fairly simple one in the ways of the rest of the way things are the put way together. some of them go yeah with the double overhead cams i, I and looked all at that one stuff. that chris was putting together the other day and the chain's got to be about three feet long. There's two of them. Mm-hmm. There's guides. There's tensioners. There's, you know, this has got to be turned here. And, and I, I watched him work for a few minutes, mm-hmm. and I realized that 
I don't want to do that. I'm going to let him do them all. <laughs> well, and, you know, experience, of course, is a wonderful oh, thing because yes, you kind of know, okay, before I take this off, I need to do this. Before I put this back together, I need to do this. Right. And even when you have a manual and you're going step by step by step, a lot of times it's just not 100% clear if something, you've never done it or seen it done. Something gets lost in the translation yeah. between the book and the car and the vehicle. I remember seen I it. took a class on communications one time, and the guy – said describe to me how to smoke a cigarette okay and he Seems says simple. well you take it out. Says, okay but the pack wasn't opened yet so he didn't go into all that uh-huh. so the guy is sitting he just rips the pack open it was funny the way it was done right but it makes the point that communication if both people sort of know what they're talking about it's fairly easy sure if two mechanics are talking about a time belt it's pretty it's easy right but to try to explain it to someone who's never done it. Or who's never seen one. Never even seen one. It right. gets a lot, lot, lot more complex. And unfortunately, the guy who knows a lot about it, he assumes a whole lot of things. Sure. So it makes it more difficult for him to explain it to someone who doesn't know anything about it. And it's just one of those deals where so yeah. much gets lost in the translation. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's one of those jobs that you might be better off to have somebody look at that for you who has a little experience with it. If not... Go ahead and read everything you can on it. See, you know, look up as Pictures, much information yeah. as you can and Pictures. try to understand exactly what's going on before you get in there and start attacking it. But kind of like we were talking to the gentleman a second ago, that tensioner is generally replaced when the timing belt is replaced. Mm-hmm. And the timing belt is generally replaced whenever it comes apart. For instance, if the water pump is worn out and leaking, then you know the timing belt is probably not in the best of shape. Those are normally recommended anywhere between 60000 and 105000 depending on the vehicle. And seven years is generally the, the limit for the all, limit of them. all of them. I don't know any that or said they could go more than seven years. So while you're in there, there is a timing belt. There are some seals mm-hmm. where those camshafts come through, right. where the crankshaft comes through. You have the tensioners. You have the idler pulleys. You have the water pump. You have all these things. And if you go in and do one and kind of push all the rest of it back together, then a month from now it starts leaking. Well, you're right back doing the entire job over. And worse, like I said, if that tensioner leaks onto that timing belt, it's going to ruin the belt because a rubber belt or EPDM rubber belt. It's designed to run dry. Yeah, it's designed to run dry. If any oil gets on, it's going to deteriorate it pretty darn fast. So and as soon as it jumps the teeth, that's going to be the end of it. Well, once a timing belt slips, the key word here is timing. It's timing the valves and pistons, which occupy the same place, just not at the same time. Correct. The valve is at the same spot in the cylinder that the piston will be. It's just timing belt moves one relative to the other. So as the piston comes up, the valve closes. Right. Keeps It keeps them from occupying the same space. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> And when that happens, it's catastrophic. Oh, it is. Because that valve is a hardened steel valve. The best case scenario is going to bend the valve. Right. More likely, it's going to push it through the piston. The piston is aluminum, so it's going to generally explode. The cast iron rod or cast steel rod is going to going start to beating around in the cylinder walls, poke a hole through the cylinder wall. I mean, it literally looks like a grenade went oh, it off does. the engine at that point. It does. It, it's a sight. Some of them you can spin inside the engine when they come apart. Oh, yeah. It's not going to be good. In any- and the worst thing is, Sometimes, depending on the cylinder it's in, when that rod comes out, it mm-hmm. takes everything out in its path, whether it be the starter mm-hmm. or whatever's hanging on the side of the block. Oh, yeah, it can. It'll, it'll wipe them out. <laughs> Not a pretty sight. No, it's not. Let's see if we got time for one more call for the break. we got right. Chris online. Good morning, Chris. Hey, Lewis. Yeah, I got a question about my son's Mustang. Okay. 2003 with the 4.6. He worked on it a couple times. Mm-hmm. 
couple nights ago, it blew out the spark plug, the number four. Yeah, that was fairly common on those, Chris. Uh, well, I got a couple of questions. Mm-hmm. There's like fact or fiction. I've heard it's usually only that cylinder that does it. I don't know about that. I've seen it on several different cylinders. The four six just had an issue with those plugs popping out like a big potato launcher. I mean, just boom, it blows it out. Now, oh, yeah. if sometimes, believe it or not, it didn't damage the threads, you can just screw the plug back in. Most we of did the time, that and it came out again. Yeah, okay. the threads pull out with it. We have got a special set of tools that can put an insert in there and repair those heads in many cases. Okay. just have to see it. If it can be repaired, we can do it. But it requires us several different tools to go in and tap and insert this hardened seat in there. But that's probably your best bet. In worst case, if it can't be repaired, you'd have to replace the cylinder head. Okay, well, yeah, a couple nights ago, it, we bought the helicoil kit. We mm-hmm. did the job, mm-hmm. and it's okay so far. The problem is he's, <laughs> he's kind of paranoid about driving the car again. He doesn't know if it's going to happen again or when. Or Yeah, I it mean, just it could depends. Happen any other. I don't like those helicoil sets. They do work sometimes. Sometimes they don't. I like the hardened insert that goes down in there. It kind of replaces the whole deal. But, I mean, it may not ever give you any more trouble. We've seen thousands and thousands of those things not ever have trouble again but i don't know why it just blows out like that all of a sudden kind of a weird thing first time i saw it happen i'm i, I well, was started shocked. looking yeah started looking and for then reasons. started looking around more and it just they just do it just something inherent in the design yeah and his is i've heard some of them have the short threads and the long threads and his has the long threads mm-hmm. and i heard that's not as common on those yeah but. they just do it i mean who knows some ford engineer was sleeping a day design that <laughs> okay <laughs> well it could happen again on another cylinder it could i mean it's possible it could, but, but i mean i wouldn't let it stop me from driving the car yeah i wouldn't let it stop him driving yeah. the car i mean maybe take them all out clean them and you know don't put any kind of lubricant on them just torque them uh to the proper specification they're supposed to be put in dry you're not supposed to put never seize or any of that on the threads ever and that, we put them in at 12 pounds with no never seize sounds, that's that about sounds right. about right yeah. but i'd have to look it up in service data to be absolute sure yeah as long as you talk to them the specification dry yeah. you shouldn't really have anything to worry about too much okay the last question fact or fiction i've mm-hmm. heard that it happens when you change the spark plugs because the plugs had never been changed till we did it and here it is about a month later that happened well, I mean, certainly if you change the plug and you don't get it tight enough or you get it too tight or you lubricate the threads, you can certainly pull because aluminum head, you can right. pull the threads out. But I've seen it happen on cars where the plugs had never been replaced. Hmm. So okay. I'm not certain. I mean, obviously you could do something improper when you change the plug and cause it, but I have seen it happen on engines with 40,000 miles with original plugs in it. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, that answered my question. All righty. Thank you very much. All right, Chris. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right. We've got to take our last little break. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Kate, we can shop tomorrow. I'm off to Agco for my car's general inspection. I take it once a year so the team at Agco can catch any potential problems before they become huge repairs down the road. You know, things like small rattles and shakes can become issues and you never can be too... A general inspection each year would be great for my marriage. Kate, thanks for bringing David in for his general inspection. Overall, he's in pretty good shape for an older model. I replaced his sensitivity regulator, which was getting a little worn. His not listening to my partner and leave the seat up lights were both about to come on, so I fixed that. As far as preventive maintenance, more fiber, less beer, and watch his portion control, especially on the weekends. And thank goodness for Agco. Kate? 
Kate, are you listening? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Sounds like a general inspection from Agco can improve my marriage. I, I mean vehicle. Uh, improve my vehicle. Keep your car on the road longer. Schedule your general inspection today at Agco Automotive. Agco, it's the place to go. Hey, welcome back to the final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Louis Aldazan, president of Agco Automotive. Got our lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here by my side. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. And we've got Billy's been patiently holding. Good morning, Billy. Morning, fellas. How y'all doing? Doing great, doing sir. Doing good. Yeah, I've called in before. Y'all doing a great job. I Thanks, sir. It. Thank you. Okay, I got a 2007 Chevrolet Silverado. Okay. 5.3 liter. I got in my car the other day. To, I went and started to get out the driveway to go somewhere the other day. Mm-hmm. And started shifting real, real hard on me, like, boom. And I looked on my instrument panel, and stabilizer light was on. Okay. And I said, well, I'm not going to drive this thing and ruin my transmission. So I parked it. Mm-hmm. I got a tow to a friend of mine's place. They put it on a computer, had all kind of readout problems with it. Can't afford, can't afford all that. So they checked my battery, and lo and behold, my battery, my boosting power was bad. I needed a new battery. Definitely when I got the new it. battery, mm-hmm. it reset everything, and everything was fine. So yeah, I it definitely calls it. Yeah. No question about it. See, that's got a completely computer-controlled transmission. If that battery voltage goes low, or if any sensor on the engine goes low, it's going to just, it, the transmission is going to go crazy. Transmission just because, responds to the engine. Right, because it didn't know how fast that was going. It was Correct. On it. That, so, or if it doesn't know the throttle position, or if it doesn't know the ambient temperature, or on and on and on and on and on. doesn't know how much airflow you've got. I mean, it bases the shift points on all kinds of factors the engine gives it. There's a transmission is just kind of sitting there stupid, and it takes inputs from the engine. You, know, you never, right. ever address any kind of transmission problem until you get the engine completely squared away. Well, even, I'm glad even something like a little misfire or something in the engine can make transmission upshift, yep. downshift, do all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, so I'm just glad it was just a battery. I'm glad it wasn't all that other stuff was wrong with it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, if if you uh, got a pile of codes in there, I mean, the first thing you do is start checking the electrical system yep. because any kind of low voltage is going to set a ton of codes, more than you can even run down. Yeah, that, that computer's designed to work on 12 to 14 volts, and if it sees anything less than 12 volts, it freaks it out. Yeah, it goes crazy. Because it, it knows what it's supposed to be getting back, and it's not getting that back. It doesn't know what's coming in, and right. it, it freaks it out, and usually the transmission is the first place to yep. show up. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I scared me there. I didn't want to mess up my fast <laughs> Well, said, you're, smart. What? you're yeah. smart. What's going you're on smart. here? You know, I said, what's happening? And then when they started putting all this stuff together, I said, man, how much is all that going to cost? Well, if all this is wrong, it's going to cost you about four grand. Yeah. I said, what? Yeah, you know, well, see, you're smart, though, because you had it towed. So many people are scared to tow the vehicle, and they'll go drive it and burn something up. That's just oh. silly, man. No way you should have done that. But I remember back the old Fords used to have a cable that went yeah, the from AOD. the throttle body at old AODs. Yep. And what would happen is it, it, the engine would lack power. It's like you'd give it gas and it wouldn't want to go. Well, people would drive right. it around. At that point, it was a little rubber grommet. It cost about 20 cents, took about a half hour to change it, and, and it was fixed. You put it on there. But if you drove it, you burnt the transmission up. Because if that yeah, came, and that's, it, what, I was, that's right. what I was scared on doing it because it was shifting so hard. I yeah. said, oh, yeah. and I won't mess my truck up. Oh, I, you'll break I the got, case. I, yeah. yeah, I got start, I got State Farm Roadside Service. I pay for that, and thank God I towed it over there, and it was just a battery. Yeah. Everything was fine. Yep. But, I mean, if you had to pay full, full yeah. on, a, on a record bill, it still it ain't nothing compared to a transmission. Oh, I agree. I agree, <laughs> but I'm just – I'm glad that I paid that extra $7 a month for my truck, well, there you my go. Car, my truck insurance <laughs> for that. There you, you know, go. That, it's so. paid for itself. Amen. I appreciate it, guys. All right, All right sir. Thanks, man. Have a blessed day. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, 291-6901 is the number. That's one of those things that if you have a problem with your vehicle, kind of starts all of a sudden like that, 
And you go to check it, and there's just a pile of codes, particularly like lack of communication codes or several modules with problems. Mm -hmm. It's not too likely all those modules went bad at one time. I mean, I guess if lightning struck the car or something, it could knock a bunch of stuff out. But one thing we will do a lot of times is record all the codes. Right. Clear them all out. Check all of the electrical system. Make any electrical system repair. First thing you do is check the battery voltage. Right. Battery voltage. And something just like a cable. Sure, a dirty cable, a loose cable. Yeah, a loose cable. Like on the Chevy pickups, they had a lot of trouble. The negative cable was a very faulty design, in my opinion. Right. And you would be amazed the problems that causes. Because if you reach over and you touch that cable, like when you're cranking the car, you'll feel it gets hot. Mm -hmm. And the reason it gets hot is because it has high resistance. Right. And you can fix an inordinate number of problems, problems you would never, ever relate to that. Just by changing that negative cable, we have a machine that crimps a new end. That's an improved design. Right. I don't go back with a new cable because the new cable is it's the old cable. Probably as <laughs> sorry as the old cable was. Yep. But yeah, that when did they go? When they went to the Group Forty Eight battery? When they that was when they 07. dropped the seven. They dropped the seventy eight and went to the forty eight. They had a different negative cable. Well, they moved the battery position. It used to be up on the front fender, and then they put it back on the fire right on the right side of the firewall. Right. It was when they changed the battery design and the cable design. Right. They went so that was side terminal. Seven. It's a top terminal battery. It's a top terminal battery. That was the 07 truck year in GM. Right. So if you have that one and you start having up. weird electrical problems, first thing you want to do is a voltage drop test across that negative cable and yep. be sure that's not caused because low voltage will cause all kinds of issues. And I tell you, I have seen so many transmissions replaced just because, because of silly stuff like that. Yep. And the sad thing is they go and they get another transmission put in then they bring it to us, and we end up finding fixing the problem. They still got the same problem. <laughs> sure. You know, so you just out three grand for absolutely nothing. You still got the original problem, yep. which has to be diagnosed now. Many times, just a sensor or a bad wire somewhere. Yep. But had they brought it to you first, you could have checked that, and we could have saved this other <laughs> exactly <laughs> little expenditure here. I see we're getting real close there. We'll start winding on up. I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week and every week. Go to your favorite broadcast or rebroadcast service and find Agco Automotive on the there list. Go. There you go. Found the, uh, also try to find the written review and fill it out for us. Yeah, if you can't find a written review, you can just go to Google and just give our shop a review. It'd be the same thing. Perfect. Work out just well for us. Hey, preceding was opinion based on our experience in the automotive industry. Have a great weekend.